Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Everyday Church. We are a body of believers in Oklahoma City with the mission to live out our faith on a daily basis. Let's listen in as we hear a powerful message from God's Word. Well, we are currently in a series called 2020 Vision, and it's a playoff 2020. So the year 2020 is fast approaching. We are halfway through December today. Today is the 15th. Uh, I'm always reminded about the halfway point because my wife's birthday is tomorrow, so that's a big deal for her. Any uh, December birthdays in the house? Okay, December birthdays, I know you get a raw end of the deal, right? Because you can't have birthday and Christmas combined. I learned that early on. I didn't know. I was a newbie to this whole thing, but when we got married, I said, hey, one gift, right? (laughs) No, sir. All right, can't even wrap the birthday gift with the Christmas wrapping paper. You got to keep everything separate as well as it should be, and I get it now, but I had to learn that, right? So, but we are halfway through December, and we're heading to 2020, which is a a lot of fun, and it just seems crazy, but this idea of 2020 vision, we're trying to bring some clarity for us as a church, and this is a big deal, because for many of you, this is your church, right? This is a big deal. This is your faith family, and as a faith family, we understand we do have a mission, And uh, the vision is really how you accomplish that mission. Our mission isn't ever going to change unless the Lord just steps in and says, hey, let's change it. But the vision always is a little, uh, there's a little nuance to it just in in how he helps us accomplish the mission he's given us. And so we want to kind of really understand the vision about what he wants for us in 2020. But to understand that, you really have to understand the mission. And so we've been talking about our mission statement as well. Last week we brought it back to our attention what our mission statement is. And we all know it, right? For those of you that have been around, you know our mission statement, which is what? And you weren't even cheating. All right, that's good. Let's throw it up on the screen for everybody. Reaching the city to reach the world one day at a time. You want to say it with me? That's awesome. One, two, three. Reaching the city to reach the world one day at a time. Now, I really do want you to memorize this short little statement because this is who we are. And it's not just to get it in your head, but you got to get it in your head first so that it works its way into your heart. I want it to get to your heart to know what we're about. And uh, we unpacked really the first idea or, or the first phrase in our mission statement, reaching the city. And the general sentiment of that first phrase, first phrase is reaching the city is that we want to see people saved in the OKC metro. Okay? We want to see people come to know Jesus Christ in our area. That's a big deal. To know us is to know that we are passionate about people coming to know Jesus Christ. We passionately want to see people saved. What does saved mean? We talked about this. We want to see people saved from the penalty of sin. We want to see people saved from an afterlife apart from God. We want to see people saved from an earthly life void of hope, peace, and purpose. And so really the key word to that whole phrase, if we wanted to wrap it up, reaching the city, is saved. We want to see people come to know Jesus Christ. And so we came up with this little heart logo. It is cyclical because it's going to be round and round. And as we go through this series, you'll understand. But the reaching the city part is the saved part. We want to see people saved. And I explain what that means. Now, let's just practically say this. Obviously, I'm going to help us understand how we reach the city and then ultimately today reach the world. But I, I would encourage you, even through social media, that, that 
practically to reach the city, the more active you are on our social media stuff can help us have some more name recognition and help us get the word out. We talked last week about reaching our city, but I, I didn't mention just the, the practical application of using social media. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in a global perspective. But if you haven't liked us on Facebook, I would love for you to do that. Just go to Everyday Church on Facebook like that right now you can we put information there but it's just so that people know and we have so many likes and i don't say that braggingly i think there's 567 or something like that likes on facebook where y'all at today by the way but we have a lot of people that that kind of keep up with us in that way and that's okay that's good we want that and we want you to like things share things we want it to pop up on other people's news feeds not for our glory but for the glory of god we want to use it as a net we want to cast that net, and this is one way you can cast a net, is to do that through social media. You can do that through Instagram as well. We, we have less participation on the old Insta or Gram, depending on how cool you are and how you want to say it. Um, I, Kanye says Gram. I had no idea what he was talking about. At first. I was like, Grammy? What's he talking about? He's talking about drugs, Gram. No, Gram, as in the Insta Gram, all right? And, and so... Uh, we have a great social media director that keeps up with all of these things, and she uh, tells me the, what the cool kids say. Oh, we're giving her some pl- uh, Yeah, let's give it up. <laughs> CG in the house. All right. Does a great job with that. We also have Twitter, which uh, she does not do a good job with. <laughs> exactly. That's the problem. But... Uh, we still try to use that occasionally as well, okay? The, the, so there's, there's some options for you to use. And we put on the podcast through Facebook. A lot of Facebook is what we'll use, especially with posting our podcast and then the live stream. We're on live right now. And I know we have people connecting with us and, and participating with us in that way. Okay, now that's, that's not the end goal is to get a like. The end goal isn't for some sort of affirmation in that way. Not at all. Don't, don't mishear me. It is to try to use it as a net to get to the gospel and to reach our city. And so those are some practical ways. But today I want to move on to the, the next part. And that is we want to reach the city to what? To reach the world. This is where we want to move to. And if we could throw that heart logo back up, Nick. But the, the key word for this is sent. So once a person is saved, he or she becomes sent. That's what we believe. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you have become what we would say saved, saved from this afterlife apart from God, saved from the penalty of sin, saved from an earthly life void of hope, uh, peace, and purpose. If you've been saved, now you are a sent person. It doesn't matter who you are, the introvert, the extrovert, we're all sent to reach the city, to reach the world. Reach people want to reach others. That is just who we are. Because we've been reached, we say, man, I have been saved from all these things. I want other people. I'm so desperate for these people to be saved too. How should I hoard this wonderful gift? How should I hoard this incredible treasure that I have found? I need people to know this story. I want people to know that they too can be found. That they can cross over from death to life. That they can be changed as I have been changed. That they can be rescued, saved from this incredible Savior, and so I must reach others, locally and globally. Okay, We talked about the local aspect, but we also understand once you are reached, you want to reach the city and the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we want to see happen, not just here. We could make up a word, global. Okay, We want to be local and global, just like this... Uh, Indian music that we hear or something that we, <laughs> we want to reach all people. Thank you, Lord, for giving us that cultural experience. Okay, sometimes 
we forget this. But God isn't just American, right? I, I think sometimes we, we, we are so wrapped up in our here and there that we, we, we think maybe just on the national scale instead of the global scale. And I saw this quote this week. Uh, that I thought was very appropriate for our conversation today. It's from David Platt, wrote Radical. He's an incredible man of faith. He said, we desperately need to explore how much of our understanding of the gospel is American and how much is biblical. See, those aren't the same thing. We need to understand the gospel in which we've embraced. Is it just an American version of the gospel or is it the one true gospel? How we view our Lord and Savior, is it just through an American lens or is it through a biblical lens, a global lens? And I think it would help us to understand. We're so wrapped up in our context of America and naturally it's what we think about our, our, our political system or, or our current events or the news that is going on here. It, it so wraps up in our brain. In fact, I would say it creates an American hubris. There's a pride that goes along with our, uh, our how great our country is that it's really easy to view God in an improper context. I think it would help us remember that the Bible wasn't written in English. Okay? We, we probably need to understand that. We probably ought to think through Christmas that this manger and this birth scene that we're celebrating, the birth of our Savior, it, that didn't happen at Plymouth Rock. Okay? We, we probably need to take a step back and think, oh, wait, this isn't just for us. This is for all People. And I think we know that, but we often try to shape God. We try to shape the Bible. We try to shape Jesus into the American dream. It's all about prosperity, or it's all about survival of the fittest. It's, it's this American dream as opposed to the true context of what the Lord says to us in a global manner. See, we take these good old uh, red, white, and blue glasses. You know, we, we put on this set of lenses that are America. They are USA, red, white, and blue. And that's when we look at the Bible. And quit laughing at me, Brittany. I see, you're like, you think you're far away, but you're right in front of my face right now. It's super weird. You're like, oh, wait, stop. But that's not what we do, right? We, we, we get in the word and we look through it and, and we got this American perspective. Or even in a worship type setting, the church gathers together and we are, the, the lens in which we see God is just straight up from our culture. But that's not really who God is. God is global. And one of the things that we decided when we set up our church, one of our core values is that we are going to be reminded of that often, that God is global. We don't own the market on God as Americans. Jesus did not just come to live and die for the good old USA. And that's not being unpatriotic. It's just being real. It's being real with the subject matter. God did not just die for Americans. He is too big to be trapped into just one of the seven continents that he created. When we try to make him small, it is too narrow of a mission. It is too narrow of a perspective of who God really is. And we miss out on his heart. We need a global perspective, right? We need some big old glasses. We need to be able to see in a, Brittany, now I know you're really laughing. It's hard to take me serious, but these are the only big glasses I could find at the house, okay? But we need a bigger perspective, you can chuckle, it's good. I want you to remember this, all right? That's the view we need. We need a bigger perspective of who God is. Now, this plays out this way. We, we get into the Word of God, and, and we read that, that it's hard for the rich to inherit the kingdom of God. And when we think of it in an American perspective, we put on these glasses, and we think, oh, gosh, well, I'm not rich. 
this, this, this passage must be referring to Bill Gates because he's the only rich dude that I'm aware of. Don't take a picture of me, Brittany. Goodness gracious, I got to take those off real quick. It's not like we're on Facebook Live or anything. But, but when we put on a global perspective, we realize that 80% of humanity lives on less than $10 a day. 80%. Carly, you can't be taking a picture of this either. This is not allowed. So 80% of humanity lives on less than $10 a day. You know, that's the vast majority of people on this planet. And so when we read the scriptures about the dangers of, of wealth grabbing your heart and being your master, when Jesus says you can't have two masters, it's more applicable to us when we've got on the right set of glasses to understand I'm in that. Now, everyone's taking pictures. Okay, I'm definitely putting these up. I know. It will haunt me later, I can guarantee it. But here's the point of this in relationship to our perspective. The Lord is way bigger than we think. And if we get trapped in the wrong perspective, we miss out on his heart. There is a global standard of wealth. And if you live on more than $10 a day, then you're in the wealthy category. And so we need to understand that when he says there's two masters and you've got to pick between him or money, that goes for us too. It's not just for Bill Gates because he's got so much. On a global standard with the right perspective, we're wealthy as well. And so we need the right lens as we look at him. And when you have the right lens on, you understand this. Well, if God is really for all people and nations, then we must be for all peoples and nations. When we have the right perspective and we see God is for all people, he's not trapped uh, into North America or the United States of America, then, then he is for all people, and we too must be for all people. I mean, why else would we have breath in our lungs this morning? Are, are, are we here just to circle the wagons, get a holy huddle, hang out with each other, and, and have some time in musical worship and in the Word? Is that really the, the reason you have breath in your lungs today? Is that really why God still has you here? Listen, we can have incredible worship services in heaven. We can circle the wagons, we can have some holy huddles, and we are going to have some incredible time of musical worship in heaven, but we cannot lead the world to Jesus Christ in heaven. It's too late. And so the breath in your lungs today, I believe, would fall more on the priority category of let's go reach the world for the gospel of Jesus Christ and let's just praise and musical worship. We're going to have all of heaven to do that. And if you don't like that, he's probably going to give you a better voice then. But in the here and now, there's value in what we do, and we understand that, and that's why we do that. And it is uh, incredible to offer up our praise together as a faith family. I'm not diminishing that, but I want to understand there is a purpose and a bigger purpose to the breath in your lungs, and that's to go reach people. In fact, we could say it, let's go reach the city to reach the world. If you have a Bible, I want you to find Acts chapter 1. Acts is uh, written by Luke, okay? So Luke writes his gospel, and then he gives a second volume to it. I mean, Acts could be called Luke 2, okay? He, he goes from, <clears throat> in Luke, the, the life of Jesus to um, his ministry and, and the crucifixion, resurrection, and then into Acts, which is a lot of action. You know, Acts is called the Acts of the Apostles. And so Luke gives us a record of how the Holy Spirit comes and powers the early followers of Christ, the first church, and how the gospel spreads. There's some supernatural things that happen. It's pretty amazing. And last week, or in the last month, several weeks ago now, we did a series on the Holy Spirit, and, and uh, 
we mentioned his power, and we're going to look at Acts chapter 1. But a lot of times I think we, we read the Bible, like, why isn't God moving now like he used to? I'm sure there's many reasons, but I would say this. If we lose sight of God's heart for the world, including our own cities and including our own neighborhoods, we will experience little of the Spirit's power since we're on a different page than God. Because we're going to see what page we should be on. And if we're not on the same page, we're not going to experience what they experience. Because we're not mirroring God's heart. We're not even on, in the same book as what, who God, uh, or what God has written, so to speak. And so we need to get on the same page with him. And we're going to do that. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus. This is Luke writing. He says, in my first book, okay, in, in Luke... Now, Theophilus is debatable. Some people think it's a real person, just a man named Theophilus. Theophilus in Greek actually means lover of God. And so this could be a group of people that love God. And he's just writing this generally. But he says, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. He said, I have wrote you about this. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. After the resurrection, he proved his, that he was alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem. You're going to stay here until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before, I've already told you the Holy Spirit's coming. You're going to stay here until you get it. Verse 5, John baptized with water, John the Baptist, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The gift's coming. So stay here until you get the gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Is this, is this it? Is this the end? You've come back to life, right? Is this the show? Are we done? Verse 7, he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. And they are not for you to know. Like, You're not going to know it. It's going to come on you like a thief in the night when, when God ends this whole thing. Verse 8, kind of until that time, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. Here's the ascension. And they could no longer see him. And they strained to see him rising into heaven. Two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. But someday, someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. He's coming back. Jesus tells his disciples... Wait here, the Holy Spirit's coming. Now this is, they have never experienced this. This is brand new to what Jesus is saying. He says, but the Holy Spirit's going to come. And when the Holy Spirit, you're going to receive this incredible power that is going to allow you to attend every gathering and church event. And, and that's just going to be incredible for you. That, that's not what the scripture says right there, right? It says, no, 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 this is what the scripture says. Jesus says, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And the Holy Spirit's going to give you this incredible power that every, every lever you pull, every team you bet on, you're always going to be a winner. Is, is that what it says? Is that what your Bible says? No, no. That's not what he says. He says, listen, Holy Spirit's coming to you disciples. And I know this world's been tough and it's been hard, but the Holy Spirit's going to come give you a power to always be pain-free. You just, 
you're going to be walking on sunshine, no pain ever. You're not going to turn 40 and your back's going to hurt. It's just going to be awesome. No, th- that's not what he says either. What does he say? He says the Holy Spirit's going to come and give you this power. Now, just think about the word power for a second. Does that describe your faith? Does, does that describe your relationship with the Lord, that there's a power in your life? But he says, no, the power's going to come. And the power, look at verse 8. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. He says, this power will come. And I think the natural correlation that comes from that is, you will be my witness. The power is given to enable us to be his witness. That's what the power is coming for. He tells them specifically, you're going to get this power, and it's going to enable you to be a witness. What's a witness? You know that. Maybe you're more familiar with the term whistleblower nowadays. He's saying you're going to be a witness. Now, in a courtroom setting, a witness is not just a person that has observed something. They have observed it, and now they are testifying to it. See, a witness isn't just someone that observes something. We've all observed something. No, a witness doesn't just observe. A witness tells what was observed. Okay? Very similarly, in verse 8, what does he say? You'll be my witnesses telling people. So a witness doesn't just end in observation, which is something that we really try to do more often than not. I just observe what Jesus did. No, you have to speak what Jesus did. The root word of the word that Jesus chose is martyr. A martyr is a witness who believed to the point of death. Their death even testified to what they believed. It spoke to, I believe in this so much, I will not recant. In fact, I will continue to speak of what Jesus has done. And he says, the Spirit's going to come so that you will be a witness telling people. So in a witnessing situation, we're not just mere observers that have seen the handiwork of God, we declare it. We haven't just experienced the salvation from Jesus and observed it. We speak it. He says, you're going to be my witness telling people. So the gospel is good news, but even in the term itself, it means a proclamation. The gospel is an announcement. It isn't something that we keep to ourselves as a form of observation. It's something that we must speak And it helps people know the good news and what Jesus is about and how to get to heaven. See, just starting the pay it forward line in the drive-thru doesn't quite cut it as far as saying Jesus died on the cross for you. You need to put your faith and trust in him. You can cross over from death to life. You can go from being lost to found. You can have this incredible relationship with God Almighty who pursued you through his son, Jesus Christ, by dying on the cross and paying the, the penalty and the price of sin so that you could have real life, abundant life, even in the here and now. See, just paying for someone's meal, did it declare that? No. It was very nice. It was a gesture, and it was Christ-like and being generous, but it did not provide you as a witness. At some point, we need to share the gospel, which is a proclamation of what the good news is. And the amazing thing today is that this proclamation doesn't even have to be your literal voice. Because I know some of you are more introverted. But yet through blogging or through posting, through all the various mediums that we have, 
through social media, through blogs, whatever the case may be, there's an opportunity to be vocal about your faith. You need to find out what the Lord would be leading to you and how you can do that, but you've got to be intentional with it because the Spirit has been sent to enable you to be a witness, to speak it, not just observe it, but speak it. Now, of course, at first you have to observe it. You have to experience it. But Jesus says, tell people. Now, what does he say to tell? What are we witnessing about? Jesus says, remember verse 8, and you will be my witnesses telling people, here it is, about me. Like, what do I testify about? What do I share? About me, Jesus. We're to be a witness about Jesus and the gospel. We need to tell people about this Jesus we have met. And last week, we kind of talked about reaching our city. So let me just ask you a quick experiment in here. How many of you in this room this morning are here because of a literal conversation you had with a person that invited you and, and that talked to you about our church? Let's just see. Raise your hand if it was a, a literal conversation. Okay. Now, how many of you, it was a, a, um, a, a fingerprint could be on it, a door hanger. It could be an invite card. Um, but someone led you whether through a paper trail or through a conversation. So if you had your hand up, and then maybe you could be added to that. Raise your hand. Okay? So I say 80% in this room, it was not from a sign. It wasn't because you just Googled church. It was because you had some sort of interaction. Whether someone intentionally reached out or, or they intentionally reached out to you through a card or through um, Craigslist, you actually reached out to us, but then we reached out to you. I saw you kind of smirking over here. He's a, a random story. That's one of those unique God things where it's like putting on his heart, like, yeah, I'm going to try Craigslist. Yeah, I'm going to ask if I could drum for some church. I'm going to put that on Craigslist. If you don't know it, our drummer came from Craigslist. And if I would have known prehand, I would have nixed the whole thing. I was super nervous when our former worship leader said, hey, John, this is kind of scary, but... This morning, I've got a drummer off of Craigslist. I said, is he a murderer? <laughs> it's the only type of people I know on Craigslist. And boy, we fell in love with the Castillos immediately. And so thankful for God. So thankful to God for that. But for most of us, it's this kind of conversation where we've got to be vocal. and We've got to put ourselves out there. And that's just about a church setting. And that really falls short of the ultimate goal of where we want to go. So let me ask you this. How many of you were led to Jesus by someone? Raise your hand. If someone led you to faith in Christ by a person, okay, now we're at 99% of you in here. It's the rest of you, an angel visited you in a dream, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but it's going to take a person. And by the way, I have heard stories of angels showing up in different places in the world and, and presenting the gospel. It's amazing what the Lord can do. But we need our yes on the table. We need to be able to say, I'll tell people about you Jesus. And we do that locally, but boy, we need to understand, we also need to do that globally. Look what Jesus said. Telling people about me, where? Everywhere. Everyone say everywhere. everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Look at the map. Just to kind of give you a little idea of the Holy Land, Israel. We see Jerusalem. That would be kind of like, hey, your city, Judea, your state, Samaria, your country or your nation, and then the ends of the earth, the world. Okay, So Jesus says, you're going to 
you, you start close, you expand, you expand even further, and you expand even further, even to the ends of the earth. We are to be a witness globally. Guys, you can't ignore this in Scripture. We can't keep on the good old U.S. of A. and think it's just for us, and we need to put on some different glasses to say we got to reach the world. Now, does that mean we reach the world and we forget about home? No. Does that mean we, God bless you, do we just reach home and forget about the world? No, it's all of it. And we need to mirror God's heart in all of it. And so this communicates to us, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, that it's, God's not just for those nearby. He's for the people nearby, our region, our nation, our world. That's who our God is. He's for all people. And if he's for all people, we should be for all people. You know what amazes me today, too, is that our world just keeps getting smaller and smaller. Now, I'm not talking about any kind of you know, climate issue that we're shrinking. Hold on. What I'm talking about is we, we have, our fingerprints can get all over the world so quick. I, I can't imagine. I, 50 years ago, thankfully I was not alive. Some of you were. I was close to being alive. I was probably a thought at that point, but I was not yet birthed. Can you imagine hearing this? I would have been overwhelmed. Man, where's Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth? Like that would almost, nowadays, Paul is in Kenya, is probably watching us on Facebook Live right now. He, he told me, you know, Paul came, he was our, our friend Paul, and he says, yeah, I watch you every Sunday, almost. We have access to the world now that we've never had before. And so 50 years ago, thinking about how, am I, the world, how, in, how in the world am I going to reach the world? That's an overwhelming thought. But look at the Lord. Just make it even easier. I can remember being in Egypt about 10 years ago. And getting to share. And having the incredible opportunity to present the gospel. To preach from God's word. And some people put their faith and trust in Jesus. And have this moment on this rooftop. As we were as a team just kind of reflecting and worshiping the Lord. And thinking not arrogantly, but very humbly, thank you, God, that you've given me the opportunity to impact the world. That was a, one of those moments, I, can't, I just can't believe God's allowed me to do this. Little old me. Getting to make a difference in the world. Now, is that because of me? No. Don't get that twisted. God doesn't just want me to change the world. God wants to change the world through you. And it just takes someone saying, I'll do it. My yes is on the table. So we've got to take advantage of the world being smaller and use the power of the Holy Spirit with the power of technology for the glory of God. Yeah, technology power is awesome. That's really cool. But we also need the power of God or power of the Holy Spirit in conjunction with the power of technology. And we can make a difference in this world. We can do this for the glory of God. It's going to take us seizing those moments and understanding God wants to use us to change the world. And so I, I want to encourage you, which some of you have, have had your fingerprint globally through prayer, which is a great avenue, through finances, which is an incredible avenue. But I'm going to even push us to get our feet there. Because I know my life is different from being in Egypt, Cambodia, Mexico. Kenya. 
And so really, if we want to get more into our vision for 2020, my encouragement for us is we want to continue the vision God has given us through Center Will, who, as you know, ministers to widows and orphans in Kenya, and we've partnered with them. And when I met with Dave two or three years ago now, three and a half years ago, I don't remember the time frame, what stuck out to me is his call to James 1.27. You know, a pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you and hearing how sinner will in Africa ministers to widows and orphans and then me going to see it for myself and falling in love with what they were doing, seeing the old horrific orphanage that they were in, yet they did not realize how bad it was. It was better than the street for them. It was better with the bushes than them. And for them to think that was okay and then to hear Dave's heart and for us to partner with them to help build a new orphanage, to help get them into a better place and to sponsor these kids monthly. It's like, there's no doubt we, we need to do this. And as a church, I don't know the exact figure. There's probably somewhere near $10,000 that we've probably put into this thing as a, a faith family over the years to help this ministry. And so in 2020, my encouragement would be, I would love to see you go in July. I don't have all the details, and we don't have exactly the time frame, but we're looking at July, looking at a trip, and that would be the incredible opportunity for you to go. Now, I know in life sometimes it doesn't all work out that way. I want you to continue to pray. I want you to continue to have a global perspective. I, I, I want you to continue to give and those types of avenues that still minister globally. I'm not diminishing those, but I would love to challenge those that could go. And maybe could is, is a little bit too gray because everyone's got an excuse. Okay, Everyone's got an excuse. But those who would put their yes on the table sense the spirit of God saying I'll work it out and then trust and get on the journey to go but I will encourage you to get on the journey is going to start with this a passport and if you don't have one you ain't going okay there are some rules that apply and a passport is one of them and so if you would put a yes on the table put some feet to your yes and start there yeah, it's a financial endeavor. Where your treasure is is where your heart is. And you start there. And you ask God to provide. And I will tell you this. The sooner you start that process, the less expensive it is. The first time I had to get my passport. You know, the, for adults, it's 10 years. For kids, it's five. I, I uh, had time. And so the first one. But then one was expiring and I needed a new one. I was going to be stuck in Africa, I think, three years ago because my passport was going to expire while I was in Africa. And then I realized, like, oh, no, I got to get a new one. And you have to expedite that joker. It gets a little bit more costly. <laughs> However, you start now, you're going to be okay. And so I would encourage you to start there. That's the first step, a passport. And then we'll start working out the rest to get there. Could even send you without me. Really could. There's trips going every year. You're not dependent on me. Do you know that? I could help you book a flight. You know, there is an airline that goes direct to Nairobi now. We haven't never taken that one. I don't. It, it, we always try to find the cheapest way to go. But there is a direct flight there. And that, it's long, okay? There's long flights. And it's going to be an inconvenience. 
but not to play the, the Jesus card. The cross is pretty inconvenient too, right? All right, I did it. I played it, okay? I played it. But our God is global. And so I would love for you to, to start making an avenue that way. Another way you could maybe get, maybe just physically it's not going to work. Maybe there's, there, there, there are legitimate obstacles and the Lord's just not calling you. It could be sponsoring a child. It could be um, helping us with prayer support. It could be funding people to go. There are all kinds of ways to get in on the global aspect. And let me also say this. I told you about the world shrinking. You know another amazing way the world has shrunk? A lot of the world has come here. Some of, them, some, some of the world's in your neighborhood, your school, your office. I know OU has so many international students. I know the zip code in which I live, there are a lot of international people. I've had conversations just recently. I also coach basketball, you know, where, where the kids in the school that are, are international students that, can't, that hardly speak English. So the world is here too. It's just remembering to have a heart for all people and being intentional about it as well. Not just thinking local, not just thinking national, which we do think those things, but let's also have a global international perspective. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is given to you to be a witness everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Will your yes be on the table? Let's pray. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? As we wrap up this morning, I want you to ask God some specific things. How can you make a difference globally? And just in the quietness of this room, I believe the Holy Spirit could even apply something in your life that I didn't even bring up. It could be a different country. It could be a different avenue, a different way. I'm just explaining to you as a church this mission that we have with Kenya. I've got Kenyan Facebook friends. I've talked with the kid that our family has sponsored through Facebook. And we have had conversations through Messenger. It's very personal to us and that's a very church-wide thing. But I want to let the Lord speak to you about how to be involved. It might be passport. It might be more prayer. could be more generosity in your finances. I don't know. And so I'm just going to let the Lord speak. So in the stillness of this moment, just ask God, how, help me to have a global impact. How can I reach the world? This is Pastor John. Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Church Podcast. For more information on us or if you happen to make a spiritual decision during this message, please let us know and go to our website, www.everyday.church. There's an email link that you can click on and we would love to hear from you. If there's anything going on that has happened during this message, if the Lord has spoken to you or you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Also, if there's a prayer request or concern, then you can email us and we would love to take the time to pray for you and respond in any way that we can. Again, thank you so much for listening. God bless.